Thank you for downloading The Pursuit Podcast. For more information on The Pursuit, visit thepursuitsoco.com. I love it. I'm so excited for this. Am I a little loud? Okay. A little loud. Okay. I'm just excited. I'm sorry. No, I'm not loud enough. We'll get there. Um, Okay. When you guys think of revival, my guess is there's tons of different perspectives, tons of different connotations to what that looks like. And, you know, varying degrees of how much you want it and don't want it. So I'm just curious to throw it out there. When you hear the word revival, what connotation comes to mind for you? And I need your answers, so shout it out. What comes to mind? Being alive. I love that. Joy. Oh, that's great. What is it? Laughter. Laughter. Ooh. These are great. See, I wouldn't have come up with these. That's great. Constant meetings. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I saw a hand. That's, that's too polite not to do it. What is it? Crazy people. I'm sorry about that. Uh, getting slain in the spirit. I love that answer. That's great. Any others? Healings. I heard something else. Repentance. Yeah, salvations. Miracles. Absolutely. Lots of time. Lots of time. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So many different connotations, and it, it's, it, comes, it makes it really hard to come here and be like, this is exactly what it is, because there are these, these weird connotations to it. And um, my connotation, to be honest, I, I kind of think back to Azusa Street and some of the stories that I heard with Azusa Street, which just incredible miracles, God's presence just showing up and rocking people, lots of salvations, and just amazing encounters with God. That's what I think of. But again, like we just saw, everyone has these different connotations to it. And for me, one thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way in a way is that it almost feels like we're waiting for revival. There's almost like these, this is what revival is, and if we are not in these indicators of revival, let's just wait for it. And for me, when I think back to Azusa, it's kind of like this place. Like, you go to a place for revival, and that's where God is moving. And for me, it's kind of very limiting. And there's extraordinary things that happen in that, and I want to say, that's beautiful. I want to pray for that. I'm not trying to diminish any of the good, any of the life that God brings in it. I'm not trying to diminish that at all. But I I think sometimes it gets so narrowed down into something that we are constantly waiting for. When, When we know God, he is extravagant in how he wants to give life to us right now. And so revivals, in my mind, is just a group of people who are so hungry that are receiving really well what he wants to do. Right, and, and yes, sometimes that has looked like a place, a group, but that's really just a culture of people with a similar culture saying, let's receive what God is doing in this moment. But that's not a place because that can be anywhere. That can be you and your homes. And so I, I think for me, I, I'm, I'm afraid because quite honestly, I have fear that I've missed it. I have fear that I've missed when Jesus is right there in front of me. And quite honestly, I have. I've missed it. Because 
I expected, oh, if I really want to encounter God deeply, it has to be in a worship setting. But what if, just like Sam said, it's right at my worst when I'm crying out in pain that God's like, that's the time I want to encounter you deeply. I've missed it. I've missed it. And I was just like the Pharisees who had a picture of what the Messiah would look like when he comes. This is, this is the picture in their minds. And so Jesus is standing right in front of them. God is standing right in front of them. And they completely missed it. And so this morning, out of, out of the pain of missing it at times for me, I, I, I want to kind of break out maybe how narrow it's been in the past and realize there, there's a bigger picture. There's a much broader picture of revival and what that looks like. And, and if we just kind of go back to the word revival, the word just means bringing life to something that's dead, right? And, and that does start to make it pretty broad because Jesus is all about that. We know that. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they would have life, and life abundantly. That's amazing. I have come to bring life. So good. And, and that, at the end of the day, that's very broad and very all-encompassing. Yes, this is bringing extraordinary life. I mean, deep encounters with the heart of God, the miraculous, all these things. Salvations, that is bringing life in a, in a powerful way. But so is all these other things that we can miss when Jesus is right there. Are you following me? And I've missed all of this. And sometimes I'm just in a place of waiting for this. Okay, is that making sense? So, my question is, what does the new revival look like? And I'm very confident in this answer. I don't know. <laughs> it's my most confident answer of the morning. I really don't know. Because revival, if you're getting it, is very, very broad. If he's bringing life to all these different areas, it's very broad. And I don't have the arrogance to say, I know exactly how God is going to show up next, in the next season. Because there's going to be a grace on something I don't know yet. That's the whole point. It's a revelation on something I don't know. <laughs> but I'm hungry for it. And, and so there might be different graces that he re releases for, for this thing over here. And, and I just want to have the eyes to be able to see it. I don't want to miss out. So I don't know what he's going to do, but I know it has something to do with bringing life. And I would say that it's leading to somewhere. I don't know what it's going to be, but I know and I believe much more confidently that it's leading somewhere. And, and what is the real vision of that? What is all the life moving us towards? And I would say what it's moving us towards is what he originally designed. And so if you have your Bibles, let's go back to Genesis. We're going to hang out in Genesis for the morning. Because I actually believe all of the life, he's, he's trying to go back to the original vision that he had in his heart. And so let's read Genesis 1. I'll start in 26. And God had been creating everything in the world, and then he gets to, to mankind, and he says this. Then God says, said, 
let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Wow, there's a lot in here. There's a lot in here. So what is this original vision that he sets forth? He wants to fill the entire world with people who are created in the image of God. People living from their God image, blessing, being fruitful, bringing life everywhere they go because they're living from their identity. And their identity is created in the image of God. This is a massive part in his original vision. Are you getting this? And when it says ruling, it's, it's not ruling how we might think of it in, in humanity's history. It is being a king how he's king. Because we're created in his image. And how is he a king? Well, he's, he's a servant. He's a steward. He's, he's absolutely loving and caring. And, and what an amazing king that he is. We, he is the picture. And so... Fill the entire world with people who look like him. And, and honestly, we can kind of see this in, in Jesus when he talks about the Lord's Prayer. He says, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, this vision of the entire world would look more like heaven. Back to a place that almost looked like the Garden of Eden again. It's reiterated by Jesus everything of heaven would come down and fill the earth. So, this is, this is the beauty of what we get back to, and it is, it is this beautiful revival, in my opinion, this beautiful revival of identity. Because it's going back to this one, this original vision. Are you catching this? There's two things in this blueprint, and I, I want to start with this first one. It is this identity piece, and then I'll get to the second Identity peace. Like I said, we are created in his own image. And I believe revival is bringing life to our identity so we can get back to this point. It's bringing life to identity. And honestly, that's so much of what I've experienced with, with revivals. So much identity. But, as we've seen in the garden, Genesis 3.1, and he said to the woman, and, and this, is, this is the snake now. This is the enemy. Has God really said, you shall not eat from the tree of the garden? The serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. This is dropping down again. You certainly will not die, for God knows that on that day you eat from it. Your eyes will be opened, and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. There's two things that the enemy's trying to do here. He's questioning the goodness of God. Has God really said that? Is God really like that? He's questioning the goodness of God, and then he's questioning your identity. And he's saying, you know what? You, 
you're not like God. You know what you need? You need to eat of the apple. You need to do something. You need to do something to be like God. And this is exactly what he's still doing today. He's questioning the goodness of God. Is God really good in your life? And he's coming right to you. He says, you're not like God. You need to do something. Because you're not doing it well enough right now. You're not like it right now. You're missing something. You're missing something. You're just not there. And you have to do. You have to do more until you can be created in the image of God. What a lie. And like I said, I I believe revival is bringing life right back into seeing the fullness of who God is and seeing the fullness of who you are. And I I felt this in worship. I I just felt like God was just really wanting to hit hit on this and saying that there's been such a lid on, on our own identity. There's been such a lid on the depths of who you are. And sometimes we, we feel like we need to out of like this false humility, saying, you know, it's all about God and I'm nothing. But really, God could in an instant destroy the enemy. In a second. If that was his vision, in a second. But that was never his original vision. His original vision was filling the earth with us, created in his image. And he wants to see the depths of you come out in the world. And revival, it's it's beautiful because in in those places of encountering the depths of God, you also get to see the depths of yourself. And this is what I've so loved about revival. I love encountering God in, in in amazing ways and, and just being in awe of God. Wow, he's amazing. And in those places, it's like, wow, if I see a glimpse of who he is, I also see a better glimpse of who I am. It's so important to bring life into our identities. And, and man, I, I've been so blessed in, in cultures like this. And even the miraculous, you see a powerful God and, and, and he's saying, yeah, but I've given you authority. And when you see that, you're able to live that out in a deeper way. It's amazing. And so I I, I love being able to see more of who he is, more of who I am. But I think if that's it, I've missed it too. Because God is so much bigger than that. And we are so much bigger than that. And this is what I want to get into. Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart making you completely holy, and may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body be kept flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. See, I've missed how broad my own identity is. I've missed this. And because I've missed it, I've, I've missed out on it's almost, like, it's almost like some of the pain points of what I've missed are pulling me away from all the other things. What I mean by that is my soul, if my soul is hurting, it will pull me away from what I'm learning in the spirit. The encounters in the spirit, if my soul is not in a good place, it will p- eventually pull me away. And so I, I, I want to break this down. So our body, 
Our body is an important part of being created in the image of God. When our body is not right, it will prevent how far we can go in our spirit. A long time ago, um, I had this Australian friend, and we, we like to joke around and, and make bets with each other, and one of our bets was Roger Federer. Is he going to get to 20 majors? And it was before he got to 20, and I lost. Um, but we were like, I was like, no way he's going to get to 20 majors. And he's like, yes, yes, he will. And, uh, <laughs> and so we made this bet. All right, whoever loses has, and we were just out of high school, so we were in a place where this sounded good. <laughs> but we, we, said, we said, whoever loses has to buy the other person a whole day of Taco Bell. <laughs> Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I know, in that moment, it sounded great. <laughs> it sounds good, but, but then it, if I did that, it would destroy me. <laughs> like, it, would, it would destroy me now. And so you can understand in our bodies when that happens, it destroys us. And if you're in, at a conference, I've had this happen where it's like breakfast and dinner or lunch, I have horrible food. And by, like, the ending session of the conference, I'm like, I can't do anymore. <laughs> Take me out of here. I, I can't do this. And it's like the body needs to be full of life, full of energy to be able to handle different things. Um, similar, similar story with, with conferences. A lot of times I'll go to conferences. We've gone to youth conferences, and, and, and I love it. It is so enriching in the spirit and in the soul because I'm connecting with these people. I love it. But by the end of the conference, my body is toast. I am so exhausted. And honestly, then it, it feels like it takes a few days to rest up. Where it's like, they could be talking about, read the Bible, and I get so inspired. Yeah, I'm going to go home and read my word three hours a day. And then the next day, I'm like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm just tired. I'm, I'm done for. And it is the body pulling away, right? So... The soul is also an important part of you being created in the image of God. And this is one I really want to spend some time on because it's been so often neglected. It's been put, basically, it's been sacrificed. Your God identity, your soul has been sacrificed to say, let's just go after the spirit. And, and this is amazing. I'm not trying to devalue this in the slightest. Please don't hear that, because I love this. But if we're sacrificing our soul, we're sacrificing a part of what God created us to be. It is absolutely a part of who you are, and, and, and quite honestly, I've, I've missed that. Um, because these meetings, they really are beautiful, and it's, it's amazing, but it's a very unique way of experiencing God. It's a narrow way of encountering God. Well, just as Sam is saying, it's like, what if you can deeply encounter God as you go on a hike? And the things that bring your soul life, what if you could deeply encounter the depths of who he is as you're watching a movie? What if you could encounter the depths of who God is as you're hanging out with friends? And in your own creativity, what if it's art and painting and 
Whatever that is, there's so many different expressions that are just giving your soul life that we've somehow divided that's not God. But he's created you with a spirit, soul, and a body. He's created you not just to have fullness in your spirit, but to have fullness in your soul. It is a part of you, you being created in the image of God. It's a massive part. And I think it's easy to miss that. And it's easy to miss Jesus standing right in front of soul health. It's easy to miss Jesus in the hike. It's easy to miss Jesus when I'm crying out in pain. and saying, well, maybe I just need to go to church. But he's right there in front of me. It's easy to miss. It's just more broad. That, that, that's my whole goal this morning. Not that this is wrong, it's just a bigger picture of who God is. All right, in our spirit, our spirit is an important part of being created in the image of God. But if our spirit is not right, it will impact so much of our life. It will impact our soul and it will impact our body. Now this one is the trickiest one, to be honest. The soul is really easy to see. When your emotions are off, you know it. And it, it's easier when I have a day of Taco Bell to be like, my body does not feel good right now. That's very easy to see. The spirit is by far, in my opinion, the most subtle. And it, it, it's, there's a danger here because my fear is that there's been so much focus on it and yet there's not enough life. I feel guilt in saying this, but sometimes... There's a focus on the spirit, and yet there's a mix of religion. And that doesn't bring life to identity. When there's a mix of religion, it is actually so destroying of your spirit. And that's not bringing life. And, and my fear is that it's like, well, I am eating in the spirit. And I, and I am, so I should be really healthy. But that's not always the case. It's very subtle. And maybe, maybe a better way to understand it is, can you think back to those moments where you felt so alive in your spirit? Those seasons where you felt so enriched. What were those seasons like? What were those moments like? Because that's kind of where we want, right? It's very subtle when it's not there, and I think we have such a numbness to it when we're not healthy in our spirit because, oh, I'm doing the right things. But with the wrong mentality and, and with religion mixed in, it's not bringing life to your spirit. Are you getting this? It's very tricky. This one gives me some fear, honestly, because I do think there's so much room to bring life to our spirit. Um, for me, when I feel alive in my spirit those seasons, there's just this, this tenderness to the heart of God. Where so I'll be going around and little things will bring tears to my eyes because I just feel God's heart on it. And there's, there's such a passion and energy, and there's a purpose in life that brings such passion and energy. That is different than a lot of the seasons that are so, I feel numb in that. Okay, you guys got it, right? Okay. Spirit, soul, body. Are we seeing the entirety of who we are and our God image? Um, because like I said, pain points will pull you away. It, it's not like I can have, be great over here and over here will be horrible. Eventually, 
our soul or our body might pull us away. It just will. Um, so I've missed it. I've missed it. Um, I believe God is really restoring life to every single part of who we are. This is revival, bringing life and identity to every single part. And what if, what if there was a revival of the soul? And again, there's indicators, you know, there's indicators in my mind what a spirit revival looks like, what I kind of mentioned. Azusa Street, that's what I have in mind. What if God was like, my focus right now is a revival of the soul? And bringing your identity, your full, the fullness of your identity, back to who you are in your soul. What would that look like? Because honestly, Connection Codes has kind of done that for me. Connection Codes, and what we've been learning in that book, has radically changed my life. I mean, it has brought so much identity back into who I can be in my soul, how I can live out my God identity. It is radically changing it. And I, I missed it. I mean, the first, I read the book and I thought it was really good, but the more we've just dove into it, it's, it's radically changing my life. Radically changing my life. And, and if you don't know much about Connection Codes, Connection Codes is, maybe the core of it is, Every single time an emotion comes, comes up, you process that emotion. So that changes all of life because we have emotions every single day. And the whole core of that is when you feel those emotions, you process them out, you share them, you become aware of them. And emotions are at the core of connecting with people or di disconnecting with people. And so as you're processing emotions, it is deeply connecting to the people around you and it can be deeply connecting to God. Or if we ignore emotions, we're probably going to disconnect from people, disconnect from God. So diving into that really has changed my life. It's changed my soul's health. But I, I kind of missed it because I was expecting something else. Does that make sense? Okay. Second part, I said there's two things about the original vision. Number one is identity bringing back the fullness of identity, filling the earth with people who look like Jesus. The second part of it is in Genesis 2.25. And this is prior to the fall, and is Adam and Eve and his... Genesis 2.25. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. They were both completely seen, all of who they were, completely out there, and they felt no shame. There was not a single ounce of them that felt unworthy of love. Think about that just for a second. That type of reality. They're, they're in their God image. They're living from their identity, and every single part of them is seen, and they felt completely safe, fully loved in that. That's amazing. This is the original vision. The entire world would be full of people who are completely seen and not an ounce of them feeling unworthy of love, living from their God identity. It's a great vision. And, and 
it goes so, so beyond just being seen and, and loved. It is, the depths of that is incredible because intimacy really is into me you see. And so if you want deep connection with people, that's the root of it, being fully seen. And if you are not fully seen, you will not feel deeply loved. That's just how it works. And so much of us, um, we're hiding. That's been the reality since, well, since Adam ate that apple. Adam and Eve, they ate the apple, and we are hiding. And what did they do? They, they got fig leaves, tried to cover themselves up, and, and really a picture of their own performance trying to hide, and then they hid from God. And it's a bummer because I, I feel like we can do that too. Just like Adam and Eve, we go right back to that place of, I need to hide now. Maybe I won't hide 80% of me, but 20% needs to be hidden because 20% is not lovable. And that 20% is preventing us from f truly feeling deeply loved. But it's never seen. We're hiding. And there's a moment where God comes and he says, Adam, where are you? He comes to us. Where are you? Are you allowing yourself to be fully seen? And he says this, has someone told you that you are naked? Has someone told you that you're unworthy of love? Has someone told you that there's parts of you that would make you unworthy of love? That you would actually have to hide? Like there's almost this ridiculousness in God's heart. Like that sounds ridiculous. That you really believe that there's a part of you that's unworthy of love? And yet we hide. Because it feels safer, doesn't it? It feels safer to take that 20% and hide it away. That feels a lot safer than to bringing it right into the open and saying, hey, look at me. It feels a lot safer, but that doesn't produce actual true safety. We will never feel truly safe if we are hiding. And we'll never feel deeply loved either. So the temptation is just to continue hiding, right? And this is, this is the temptation. Just continue hiding because it's a lot safer. And we wait until we are perfectly lovable in our own minds. Has everyone felt that? I haven't gotten there yet. Because there's always something. There's always something that, that feels like it needs to be hidden or else I will not be fully loved. And then there's a moment in the Garden of Eden where Adam, to his credit, he answers God. He could have, you know, I, I think there's a reality, like we think, we know these stories. He could have stayed hidden. God knew where he was the entire time. Adam could have stayed hidden. Not truly hidden, but hidden. And to his credit, he comes out. He's probably still feeling fear and shame. And he says, I was afraid, so I hid. He's just being real, feeling fear. And honestly, we will too. <laughs> being seen is a scary thing. It's not going to be like, oh, I feel completely safe coming out. 
No, it's scary. It, it, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of shame that we feel. And so coming out, that's fear. There's a lot of fear in that. But it does create love. It's a vulnerable moment. And he's still feeling fear. He's still feeling shame. And then he's met with something he didn't expect. I think we get met with something we don't expect either. Yes, there is a result for his poor choice. And that was the greatest mistake of all time. But in Genesis 3.21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed Love and kindness in the midst of a horrible mistake met with something he did not expect. I think the really cool thing is here is they, they were, through their own works, they tried to cover the places that they felt unworthy of love for. The fig leaves, right? Also known as fikinis. <laughs> their own performance, right? It was... It was their own works. They get clothed, and many theologians believe that skin was actually a lamb's skin. And so what they get clothed with is really a picture of Christ to come, foreshadowing Jesus dying on the cross so that you get clothed with him, so that you become completely worthy of love right back again, not through your own works, but because of what he did. It's awesome. I love that. Romans 8, 15. <clears throat> and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. Man, that's amazing. But it requires a moment of courage. It requires that same moment because honestly, you can stay hidden as long as you want to. You can stay in a place where you don't feel very deeply loved as long as you want to. And it will feel safer. Slightly safer. Because it does require this moment of, ooh, this is a lot of fear to be seen here. That's a lot of fear. And this applies with God. It also applies with others. I'm not saying going to Starbucks and doing this. But with those people that are really deeply close to you, it takes a lot of fear to step out and say, look at my emotions. Look at what I'm really going through. Look at what I'm really feeling. I feel a lot of shame over this. It is intimidating, and it takes so much courage, and it is vulnerable, but it will produce so much connection. It's the deep connection that we want with God. It is the deep connection that we want with people. And this is, this is the vision that he set out, is that you would come under your full identity, spirit, soul, body, the fullness of who you've been created to be, your God image, living that out in the world and being fully seen in it. That's his original vision. And so what does the next revival look like? I don't know the specific way he's going to come, but I do believe he's going to bring life to these things right here. 
life into your full identity, the entirety of it, where we don't miss when he's right in front of us, but also, man, he's bringing us into a place of deep connection with him and others. So I want you to stand with me. I love this verse for it. I'll end with this. Romans 8, 19. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God, those living in their identity, to be revealed, to be seen. What a great verse for that. All of creation is waiting for the children of God to be seen. I just want to pray for us. God, I, I pray in this moment that you would rip the lids off of our identity. That we would embark on a beautiful journey of discovering the depths of who we are as we also discovered the depths of who you are. God, I, I just pray that you would open our eyes to see how we can deeply encounter you everywhere in our life. Pray for random moments, even today, where we deeply encounter you when we, in places we would never expect, as you're watching TV, as you're hanging out with friends, as you're on your phone, that God would encounter you. I pray that you would open our eyes to how you want to bring life to those places. pray for courage. I pray for courage to step out even though it feels incredibly scary to step out and be fully seen and that in that place we would know how you clothe us in your righteousness in your worthiness of love. I just pray right now it would be felt almost literally feel the clothing of us right now of just you clothed in his righteousness that you're worthy so worthy of love because of what he did thank you for listening to the pursuit podcast for more information about the pursuit visit us at thepursuitsoco.com